0: Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe, like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, we've been talking about the deep faith questions um, that sometimes we have in life, and I've just been so honored to um, interview and talk with various guests about questions that maybe they've wrestled with or um things that they know a lot more about than I do <laughs> and today. I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, she's a listener of this program, which is fun. Um she's reached out to me a couple of times to just encourage me, and that's such a blessing. Um, but I'm talking today with a pastor's wife who lives in South Dakota. She and her husband Gary, have four adult children. She loves music, foreign languages, reading and crafting. You can find her Focus Friday blog posts at robinmulder.com. That's Robin with a Y and Mulder with a, with a U. Uh, she writes there about life, faith, and mental health. She also supports and encourages people in a Facebook group called Catch Your Thoughts with Robin Mulder. Robin Mulder, welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Oh,
1: thank you, Janelle. It's so good to be here. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. Oh,
0: I'm so excited that you're here too robin i I think you and I had talked a little bit about how we knew each other. We kind of connected over Trisha goyer's group. is that right? write right, that book yep
1: that's right
0: yeah yeah and um and you have you've been such a um an encouraging voice to me, whether it's responding to my emails occasionally or just letting me know when a certain podcast um resonates with you. And you had reached out to me, uh, I want to say it was a couple of months ago, you had shared with me some of your story. And um, just listening to you when we connected a few weeks ago. um, I just thought it was really powerful. Um, Before I get into that, though,
1: how was hiking
0: on the Appalachian Trail?
1: How did that go? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, as I told you, my husband and I planned to hike, well, I kind of planned to hike for se- <laughs> seven days and six nights on the Appalachian Trail down in Tennessee. Um, I thought oh, it would be so exciting to um, camp out and to go for 70 miles through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Well, it did not turn out as I thought it would. I, I had all these idealistic, you know, it's going to be great and it's going to be so much fun. and. We went and the first day we did six miles. Thanks to my husband, he kind of held me back and didn't let me do the 12, 15 miles a day every day. Um, and the first night we froze to death, it got down into, oh, the, it got down into the 30s in the Smoky Mountains. I didn't, we didn't realize it was gonna get that cold and we froze. And then the next day we went 12 miles and by the time we got to the next shelter, I said, we can't do this, <laughs> we just can't do it. <laughs> Uh, Five more nights of uh, cold weather and uh, all this hard hiking. We were not in good enough shape. So I called my parents and uh, asked if they could pick us up, and we figured out that if I could have gotten off the trail right then, I would have, because I was just so, like, realized I was way out of my element. But we realized we either (laughs) would have to go back 12 miles or 18 miles, maybe to the beginning, or we had to forge ahead and get another couple days in to Klingman's dome, which was a good place to get picked up. So we called my folks and they kind of laughed and said they were expecting that call, (laughs) 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 not because they thought we couldn't do it, but because they heard it was going to rain on Thursday and Friday. So that was another good excuse to get off the trail too. So we forged ahead and we went another two nights and it wasn't quite as cold, but it was still not very comfortable. And, uh, we. Yeah, there were lots of spiritual insights that I got on that trip because as you're hiking and putting one foot in front of the other, it just really reminds you of the journey that you go through in life and how difficult it could be. be at times, but how rewarding it can be too, to make it through to the end. So even though we, did, we failed in one way, You know, I did, we didn't make it the 70 miles that I had planned on. I feel like we did accomplish something, you know we went about thirty five miles uh total, and that's a long ways and uh yeah, we uh yeah learned some things along the way and uh, if I can ever talk my husband into doing it again, then we'll be more prepared for uh for the trail and uh yeah, we'll be able to to do it better, i think, be in better shape before we start out and uh
0: yeah, wow. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Because uh, to say you went three, was it three days?
1: Uh, yeah, we started on Sunday and we got out on Wednesday about noon or so.
0: Yeah, so three or four days and, uh, you know, 30 something miles. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, <laughs> looking back, <laughs> pretty it great. Was, yep. But uh, yeah, there were definitely times of like, after we had decided to get off the trail, it was kind of discouraging because I knew we had to endure two more nights of setting up camp and being cold and kind of miserable. And uh, that, that day after we decided to get out, we had to go 12 miles. So in the morning, we had to go about, about six miles to our first shelter just for a good, good break. And uh, I was kind of whimpering as we went along. And Gary's like, are you doing that on purpose? <laughs> and I said, well, I didn't <laughs> think so, but I guess I can pr- try to stop. And I realized that I was kind of thinking, "I can't do this, I can't do this," mm-hmm. with every step." And it, it made me just kind of, you know, this little whimper came out. And I finally decided, well Gary, Gary pointed out, "Well, you look like a really he said badass hiker chick, you know but- <laughs> <laughs> So that was my mantra for a little while, but I thought, well, a pastor's wife can't have that as her mantra. So I changed it to "God's glorious hiker chick." and so every (laughs) every pound of the the poles i would think that and i yeah we did our first mile after that rest um in a lot faster time and we were afraid we weren't going to get to the next shelter before dark we thought we were gonna have to hike an hour or so in the dark because it was taking us like an an hour to go a mile average and so 12 miles 12 hours we figured it was gonna be after dark but I was like, no, we're gonna get there in the light. So I really, when it was flat ground, I picked up the pace a little bit. And uh, and just that mindset, that change in mindset reminded me of how important it is of what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Because when I was thinking, I can't do this, it, it affected how fast I was hiking, um, how I felt. And after I thought, no, I'm God's glorious hiker chick. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> Uh, it really made a difference. It was still hard, but it made a big difference in how how I was hiking, uh, my attitude, and it was a lot better. So, Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so many spiritual parallels there. Uh, probably a lot you could write about too. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I blogged about the first part of the trip last Friday, and I plan to finish that up this week um, and just do some more more spiritual applications for my my readers and, uh, yeah, I hope it will be encouraging to people. It was kind of fun to, I put it on the Appalachian trail, Facebook group, put the link to it. And, uh, I was surprised how many hikers actually went over and read it and had some good Mm -hmm. encouragement to try again. And just, you know, I don't know if they looked at the spiritual applications I was drawing, but, uh, hopefully some of them did.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Robin, would you mind sharing a little bit of your story, um, some of the stuff that you shared with me earlier uh, about y- your role as a pastor's wife and some of the hard things that you've been through. We've been dealing with tough um, faith questions here on the podcast, and I'll ask you one as a result of you sharing your story. So,
1: okay, yeah. Well, my story is that I have struggled with depression off and on over the years. Um, at times it got pretty bad, sometimes it was better, um, but I never really got help for it. I, um, But back in 2014, I um, I had been subbing in the school system in the Spanish classroom especially um, for a couple of years and the Spanish teacher was going to take on a new position in the school. And so she asked me if I was in, would be interested in teaching, uh, applying for the, the teaching job to teach Spanish. And at first I thought, Oh no, I'm happy just subbing. That's fine. But on the way home from school that day, I was thinking, Oh, what if I would take on this teaching job that might be kind of exciting. It'd be fun to share my love of Spanish and just encourage these kids and, uh, um, connect with them in a deeper way. And so I talked to with my husband and we decided, yeah, sounds pretty good. So I, I applied, I got the position. And so the summer before I started teaching, Um, Gary kept telling me, you know, get your lesson plans made out, you know, make, make your plans. And I was instead spending too much time uh, researching this new method of teaching foreign languages that um, seemed really interesting to me. It's TPRS. And it was like teaching by having the kids uh, speak lots of Spanish or, I don't know, do stories and things. And it was really a new way of doing things and interesting to me, so I was researching that and watching lots of videos and trying to figure out how I would do that. So when the the job finally came about, um, Spanish one and two, the first and second years, I I was trying that new method, and for the third and fourth years, I was doing a little bit of that, but some more traditional things. And I wanted it to be so perfect that I. I ended up getting depressed after just a month of teaching. I uh it was it was really strange because the first day of class um I went over with my kids um, I I wrote I drew I wrote the word perfecto on the chalkboard or the whiteboard and I drew a big circle through it and crossed it out and said perfecto no. Perfect no. <laughs> and I I just tried to um to tell the kids, you know, you can't be perfect. You have to just speak Spanish and it's not gonna be perfect at first, it'll get better. And, uh, you know, and it was so ironic because I could not live by that adage. You know, I I wanted to be perfect even though I told the kids they couldn't be perfect. So Hmm. when things, I was doing a good job but I focused on all the little things that high school kids normally do. They come into class and they say, I hate Spanish. and i thought that was my fault for some reason you know not just thinking that's what high school kids do they they hate some of their classes and uh instead of focusing on all the kids that love spanish and were having fun with what we were doing i was focused on the ones that had a bad bad attitude or were frustrated with the uh with it i got frustrated with the technology and uh not being able to you know make the online textbook work sometimes and and I wasn't asking for help. And so I just kept going further and further down this slippery slope of getting more and more anxious, getting more and more uh, worried about how I was doing. And after just a a month of that, um, I felt so hopeless that uh, I went in our basement and I picked up an extension cord. I put it around my neck I didn't do anything past that. I I realized what I was doing and I took it off and threw it on the ground and went back upstairs. But I I realized, oh boy, this is this has gotten pretty bad here if I'm thinking that way. So I talked to my husband after he got in from uh from church that night. We talked it through and he's like, "Do you think we have to go in?" And I said, "Well, I really have to get my grades figured out for, for the semester. So, you know, I'm feeling that hopeless, but I thought I, I had to be responsible enough to get my grades done. So I worked on that. And the next day we went to the hospital and uh, at first that they, I thought they were going to have to send me to a, a hospital further away. There were, were no openings in our local hospital, regional hospital, but it turned out that there was a, a spot open in the a hospital across town from the one that we went to. So they drove me across town in an ambulance, uh, sitting up in an ambulance, not laying down, but the, uh, and I went into the mental health unit of our regional hospital. It was, yeah, I didn't feel like I belonged there and yet I did because I had those feelings and was in a really bad place emotionally. Um, Looking back on it, uh, it was a blessing that I was able to just kind of get away. Um, They had to tweak my meds during about, it took about a week or so. I felt a little bit worse before I felt better. But uh, after I got out of the hospital, I kept going to counseling. I was on medicine for quite a while and just learned how to handle the things I knew would caused me to go to get more depressed. Um, so I feel like I've been in a very stable place for quite a while I, I went off, I was on a very low dose of medicine. Uh, I was on a generic Lexapro. And I was on a very low dose. And after a while, I, I felt stable enough that I talked to my doctor, talked to Gary and uh, went off that medicine. Uh, I think I've been off it for maybe it's been just a year now I think maybe September of 2019 I went off it and it's been it's been good since then I mean got the normal ups and downs and you know Mm -hmm. of life but uh haven't felt the need to go back on it um but I am very willing to do that if if my depression would ever get get bad again hopefully not I mean I know the tools that I need to use to stay healthy but uh depression is kind of a funny thing. Sometimes you, uh, sometimes it gets to be clinical without. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's, uh, very personal and vulnerable and I appreciate you, um, being vulnerable and open about your struggle. And I, I'm not a pastor's wife, but having grown up in the church, um, sometimes it's really hard to be vulnerable like that. Um, Did you ever feel that as a pastor's wife or as a Christian, like you couldn't, you couldn't share that you love Jesus and you struggle with depression?
1: Well, I think I've always felt pretty comfortable being vulnerable. I mean, I had talked about, I guess maybe I hadn't talked about mental health too much before that, but uh, it really was interesting to me. Uh, when I went into the hospital, it was a Saturday. And so of course on Sunday morning, you know, Gary had to explain where his wife was. And so he decided, we decided that he would just tell them where I was and what had happened. And so I had the support of a loving congregation. I mean, mm. I got cards from people in the congregation. Um, the the gems and cadets, you know, what those are, those are like little, kind of like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but within the Christian uh, tradition, um, those girls and boys uh, drew me little, drew me pictures and they sent that packet of uh, pictures saying, Robin is nice, Robin is kind, Robin is cute. And I still have those and I look through them once in a while because it was such a blessing that, uh, they, yeah, w- when you feel that depressed, every card I got I read every word and it just meant so much to me, the, the support, the encouragement from the verses that people sent and um, I clung to those things and they really got me through that time. Um, so yeah, I had a wonderful support system and people really, nobody judged, seemed to judge me for it, at least not to my face, they, they just loved me and uh, encouraged me as I came out of that. And I think a lot of people don't have that support and they're scared of what people might say about them or say to them because they struggle with depression. So they struggle silently. They struggle by themselves and they don't have that support.
0: Um, Do you think, do you think part of um, the worrying about what other people think or might say a lot of it is an internal shame that we put on ourselves? Like, Oh, I shouldn't be acting like this, or I shouldn't be dealing with this. If only I had changed something or I hadn't done that, I mean, did you, was that something you struggled with? Did you find that the internal, I noticed that you have a whole Facebook group uh, designed for capturing those thoughts. So I'm guessing that you've had some experience wrestling with your own inner negativity and, yeah. and thoughts that don't.
1: Yeah. Align. Well, yeah. In the months after being so depressed, uh, going to counseling, reading books, uh, uh, being, I, I got involved with a support group called fresh hope. Um, uh, a friend of mine that I had, we had lived by them years before and we reconnected because she lived in an area and she had dealt with depression too. And she told me about this book, Fresh Hope, um, living well in spite of a mental health diagnosis. And so this is a book written by Brad Hayes, but he also started the Fresh Hope support groups. And that was so important because then I had someone that I could talk to that understood where I was coming from. I would think things about myself and say things to myself that i never would say to someone else you know i i could be the most encouraging person to other people but when i feel like i've blown it and i've done something wrong or said something wrong i can really just beat myself up and i'm learning not to do that (laughs) that's part of the group catch your thoughts you know um the the verse second corinthians 10 5 where that comes from. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I've just realized uh, that it is vital that we look at the thoughts we're having and make sure that they are matching up with what the Bible says about us, about life, about faith. Um, And when we realize that the thought that we're having is not, good for us emotionally, spiritually, uh, all that we need to, to turn it around and make sure that it's, uh, yeah, what God, what God says, what God wants us to be thinking.
0: So I want to ask you a hard question. So what would you say to the thought that comes into somebody's mind? Maybe somebody who's listening here. Um, a good Christian wouldn't be struggling with this right now.
1: It's such a hard question because it's not, you know, when, when you fall down and break a bone, it's obvious you fell, you broke the bone. With depression, anxiety, part of it is chemical, but part of it is how we're thinking, how we're choosing to think. So, so there's, yeah, there's, there's quite a, a tension there. I would definitely say that it is not sin that someone gets depressed and a good Christian can easily get depressed. Um, I think that there are things we need to do to make sure we don't go that way that we, you know, catch ourselves. And, and if we can, we talk to someone, we try to think better, we get enough rest, we eat right and do all the things we need to do to stay healthy. But if we get, if you go far enough down that slope, it becomes a chemical imbalance that we can't stop anymore. When I was so depressed in the teaching job, I couldn't Mm -hmm. help myself anymore. I, yeah, I had to take some medicine, um, talk to people and and start to come out of it and get tools to stay healthy. Um, You know, even looking back on that now, I had the luxury of being able to quit that job. You know, while I was in the hospital, Gary and I decided, okay, this is not working, and let's we're just going to quit. Some people don't have that option; some people have to stay in the the hard situation that they're in. Um, that that made them depressed. Um, so, yeah, they need to find other ways, I guess, to uh, to to get healthy while still in that situation.
0: Yeah. Well, and. I don't know. I I definitely have wrestled with some of those thoughts, you know, like, well, a good Christian wouldn't be acting like this right now. And it's such a lie from the pit of hell. Is, yeah. <laughs> because if you if you look in scripture, I mean, I think of Elijah who wanted to die. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely suicidal. Yeah. I think Jonah was depressed. Right. Pretty sure Jeremiah yeah, was. David, um, David, a lot of the psalms, David.
1: a lot of the psalms talk about how bad he felt and then Usually by the end of the psalm, he started to think differently and turned it around so that he focused back on God again. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so if you are listening and you're struggling with that, I just want to encourage you, as Robin has, um, (laughs) it's a lie. (laughs) You can love Jesus and struggle. Uh, in your mind with some yeah. things. Uh,
1: there are um, people that never struggle with depression. I've had people, you know, like the, a friend at the church where we used to serve when this happened. She's like, Nope, I've never felt depressed. I've never and I thought, Oh, man, that would that must be nice to never <laughs> deal with that. But, uh, but other people, uh, it's in my family, my mom's side of the family, my great, great grandma, my grandma, uh, my aunts, my sisters, we all have dealt with it at different times, and uh, yeah, we just need to learn learn how to how to live healthy, li- live well in spite of that um, mm-hmm. that illness that tries to push in at times. Yeah. So you talked about some
0: of the healthy um, things that have helped you. Um, what we're looking back, some of the triggers um, in that situation that maybe. If you could, you know, have hindsight, which is 2020, you would have go. Oh, I maybe I could have done this differently. Or, or do you feel that way? Do you feel like there really wasn't anything differently that I could have done given that situation?
1: Well, I think early on, I probably could have turned it around if I had been more willing to ask for help. Um, there was a a science teacher next door to mine that she came through the the room one time and uh, said, "I can see that you're struggling, but." I don't know how to help you, and I just kind of said, "I'm okay," <laughs> and I I outright lied to her because I needed help figuring out the grade book and the online stuff and just the technology that was frustrating me and discipline problems in the classroom, you know, that I needed help with that. But I I was like, "I'm a smart, you know, woman. I can figure this out," and I needed help. So yeah, that would have probably done a lot to just tell people what i was feeling and how i was thinking definitely would have would have changed things instead i I think it was kind of like the hiking in the mountains you know i can't do this i can't do this i was thinking that same thing too you know i i'm Mm -hmm. not doing this right even though everybody said you're doing a great job you're doing a great job i was thinking this you know i'm not doing it perfectly so i'm not doing it well and uh Mm -hmm. i've in the years since then, I've really gotten better at that too, looking at things and saying, hey, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to, you just have to do the best you can. Let it go when it's not perfect. It, it'll be okay.
0: Yeah. So reframing it to see the positive yep. things and also acknowledging when you actually need help. And how do you know if you come to the point where you really need help Um, And you're just hiding it. You're just trying to save face. How, how would you advise somebody who's like, you know what? I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. Um, How do you know the difference between thinking you're okay and actually being headed for a meltdown?
1: Oh boy, that is going to differ for every single person because I think everybody can handle different amounts of stress in their life and are body chemistry and all that, just it's gonna be different for every person. But uh, I, I would say like, if you are experiencing the signs of depression for more than a couple of weeks, it's time to ask for help, you know, like not being able to sleep or sleeping way too much, uh, not being able to eat or way you know, overeating too much. Uh, like when I, was, when I was in this teaching job, my stomach felt bad all the time and I could barely eat, you know, I would eat half my lunch at school and throw half away. And I, uh, I lost like 15 pounds in that month, you know, something, I've been trying to do that during the summer (laughs) before and I I couldn't do it, but yeah, it just, it came off because I was just so stressed. And uh, so I think, and and especially if you feel those feelings of hopelessness and just um, don't, don't let that go on you know, talk to someone to reach out for help and realize that you need some professional help to get back to a better place emotionally. Don't, you know, it's so hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What would you say to someone listening who might be in the camp where, um, oh, I don't struggle with depression and, you know, (laughs) this sounds kind of, I mean, I don't understand this kind of thing. Um, how, how do you share in a loving way like this is my experience and or how do you address somebody who doesn't know what you're going through because I think we all experience that we all have you know unique struggles um and like you said when you I think you said this (laughs) when you break an arm or something like that's a visual thing you can see that but when you're feeling broken inside when you recognize that things aren't going well how do you share that um with people in a way that validates what you're experiencing and humbly ask people like, this is a real thing. Would you pay attention? Would you listen? I need your help. I mean, do you, do you feel like that that's a conversation that needs to happen or I don't know?
1: Uh, I don't really know either because yeah, there are going to be people if they've never experienced depression and anxiety, they're not going to understand. They're going to think just, you know, Old bootstraps thing, you know, pull yourself up, you know, get up and just keep, keep going, do, do what you should be doing. They aren't going to understand. But I think that you need to find people that will understand. Um, maybe you can just share a little bit of your story and see how people react. And you can tell by the way they react, if they are going to be helpful to you, or if they're going to just pile it on and make you feel worse about how you're feeling, you know,
0: So do you have any practical resources that have helped you? Maybe a book. I know you shared earlier that one. Um, What was it called again? Uh,
1: It's called Fresh Hope.
0: Fresh Hope. Yeah. Do you have any other practical resources or Bible verses that have helped you that you would recommend to somebody listening who might be struggling right now?
1: Um, Well, when I went to the hospital, it was uh, really cool that one of my friends from church gave me a copy of Jesus Calling and it was pretty new Mm -hmm. at the time. And, uh, and then Gary also, when he came to visit me on like the Monday after I went in, brought a copy. So I've got this pretty teal version of Jesus Calling. And the first devotional that I read said from September 22, trust me and refuse to worry for I am your strength and song. You are feeling wobbly this morning looking at difficult times looming ahead measuring them against your own strength and uh so i thought that was so interesting that uh i was feeling very wobbly (laughs) as i was in the hospital and uh jesus calling really you know helped gave some encouragement um uh i've been reading my utmost for his highest that devotional this year and Mm -hmm. that has been so good too just all the reminders about how our faith uh how we work out our faith and how God loves us and all that. It's so good.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I started reading a book that I currently can't find. (laughs) We remodeled part of our house and I can't find this book. But it's excellent. It's by J.P. Moreland, and it's called Finding Quiet. And um, it's about overcoming anxiety and the practices that brought peace. And um, it also deals a little bit with depression on there. It's very good. I highly recommend it. Um, and as Robin has shared multiple times, if you're listening to this, you're struggling, uh, and you need help, don't be afraid to get some professional help. And, um, I think it's so good, Robin, that you recognized that point where you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I, something's not right here. Um, because, uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, so many people struggle in, 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 you know, darkness, they don't want other people to see it, or they feel isolated, and they don't know how to reach out. Um, I know there's uh, national hotlines for um, suicide and depression. And I'll be putting those in the links. But, um, you know, back in January of 2020, I interviewed my friend Nicole, and she shared about her own struggles with depression. And um, yeah, it's just really important that if you get to that point, and i Robin, you wisely said, "For everybody, it's different." But if you get to that point where you're just like, "Oh my gosh," you're feeling helpless, you're struggling, um, you you can't eat or you're overeating or you can't sleep or you're over sleeping, and life just has lost its meaning. Um, you know, instead of shaming or trying to hide yourself, just reach out and be proactive. And Robin, I just really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, why did you want to come on and share it? Um, just out of curiosity.
1: Well, I just want to help other people that are struggling with it. I, I know that a lot of people are struggling silently. I mean, even we have the, the Fresh Hope support group here in, in Platt, South Dakota at our church and, uh, a a few people come to it, but even more people have talked to us about how they are feeling and they just aren't quite ready to come to a group where other people will know that they struggle. And so, yeah, I just want to, to help other people get to a, a place where they can live more healthy emotionally. You know, uh, you don't have to, well, I think, of, I think that getting that depressed in 2014 was actually a gift for me because I had been struggling with it off and on, but I would just kind of white knuckle it through those times when I felt really bad. And this got it to such a point where I had to get help. I had to, uh, face it. And, uh, yeah, it got, it got me to the place where I needed to be, um, to be more healthy, to, to live, to realize that I can live a good life, even though maybe I will feel a little bit more down some days, but I don't have to ever go back to that crisis point that sent me to the hospital, because I know that I have the tools to, uh, Talk to someone, um, yeah, and catch it and, and yeah. feel better knowing yeah. that, that it will pass. I'll get back to a better place emotionally.
0: Mm, I love that. All right. Well, Robin, you've listened to this program. <laughs> you know what the final question yes, is. Yes, I do. The Finding Something. <laughs> I'm sure you've thought about it. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Of those gifts that we can find in him, which one stands out to you the most in your life right now and why?
1: Well, I love all of them. Uh, And I think that's so neat that you have that acronym. Uh, I think the one that stands out for me is authenticity. Um, Mm -hmm. They're all important, but being real is something that will uh, help other people as they see how we live. And so I I hope that, yeah, I hope I do that. I hope that others can do that too. And just realize that when we're real and share what we're struggling with, someone else that's struggling with that can say, oh, good. I'm not the only one. I uh, Someone else deals with that and it will help them to go on and to get to a better place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think too, like, being real before God too, you know, like just saying, Hey, this is me. (laughs) I'm a mess. (laughs) And uh, I feel like, I I think that's one of the, I don't want to say benefits, but one of the unforeseen gifts of anxiety or depression, it makes you recognize your deep need for the savior. And when we come to him, If we're trying to put on this perfect face, you know, we're trying to be perfecto. Yep, yep. (laughs) It's not, it's not real. And um, just to add one more thing, Psalm forty-six. If you're struggling right now, go and read it. Um, This past week has been kind of hard for us, uh, just on a personal thing. Nothing, you know, nothing major. Just a little bit. And I was reading um, Psalm forty-six, and it's good. God is our refuge and our strength and be still and know that he is God. Robin Mulder, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest, about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love, He's offering that gift to you today.
1: I pray you believe it.